comprehend that, you know, to, to truly understand that God wants me. So let's look at some verses about this. In Galatians chapter 1, this is what Paul writes. And you already know about this about Paul, but Paul thought he was the lowly of the low. No one is a bigger sinner than I. That's the way Paul truly felt about himself. But this is what he says in Galatians chapter 1, verse 15. He says, but when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. And he's given some defense here of why you know, he is doing what he is doing. But Paul understood more than anything that, that God knew what he, he called me in this before I was even born. I understand that now, that he truly wanted me, even though I know what a horrible person I was before Jesus Christ came into my life. I know now that he always intended to include me, to invite me. And I hope that you feel that sense of inclusion, too, that he wants you to be where you are right now. He wants you to know what you know right now. He wants you to be reassured that you are in Christ and in his family and that you have a destination which is called heaven where it's going to be glorious because he wanted you to be that. Before you were even born, he wanted you to have that because God intends for you to feel that way. He doesn't want you to feel less than. He doesn't want you to struggle with understanding how much he wants you. That's why Romans chapter 8, verse 29, this is what it says. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many believers. And those whom he predestined, he also called, and those he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. So it's not just Paul, whom God predestined before you were even born to be right where you are, to know what you know, to have what you have. And you should feel privileged, just like the shepherds had to have felt special. That day, like, God chose us to reveal this to us. We got to see the angels, and we got to have this information. We have got to go check this out. That's what they said, right? We have got to go see what they have just told us. And they felt privileged, and you should too. It is good news, isn't it, church? Do you feel privileged today to know what you know, to have what you have? You know, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, it says this. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us, there it is, right? Chose us in him before the foundations of the world, before it even existed, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption, to himself as sons through Christ Jesus, according to the purpose of his will. Now, we know that Jesus is the Son of God, that Mary conceived uh, miraculously. You know, that God placed that child within her womb to grow there and to be birthed from her. But we know who the Father is. It's God. Jesus is the Son of God. But we were adopted into that same family. Through Jesus, we were adopted into that same family. 
And it ends there just saying this, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Do you feel privileged? Do you feel loved? Do you feel included? The shepherds were definitely included, right? They felt privileged. They felt loved. They didn't feel overlooked by God by any means. And you should identify with that. You should really identify with that. Here's the second thing that I see that you should identify with, we should identify with, and that is that your invitation, so you were invited to, comes with expectations just like it came with them, right? You know, these, these shepherds were invited, but they were invited for themselves, but also with a purpose. They had an expectation. And that is here in verse 17, it says, And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. They were given an invitation to come and check out this Jesus, the Savior of the world that came into the world to save all mankind. His name is is Jesus, Emmanuel, which means God with us. God for all people has come to rescue his people. But they weren't to keep that to themselves. It wasn't just for them, right? It was for them first. reason is, is because we already talked about that, he started with the lowly of the lows so that everybody would know that I want everybody. If he started at the top with the kings and, and, and then they proclaimed this, people would be like, well, that's not for me. But he wanted to make sure everybody knew it was for everybody. But it was to start there. The, this, the, the shepherds were to come and witness it, but then to extend the invitation, to extend the good news, to preach it and let people know what was going on. They had expectations. And they, they kept up with those expectations. So what did they do? They, they became ambassadors of God. I mean, they, where did they occupy all of their time? In a field. Who do you tell? Sheep? And yet they did tell. They probably, on the way back to the field, they had to stop Many places. I got to go tell my mom and dad. They're not going to believe this. I got to go tell, you know, my girlfriend before I head back to the field. I got to go, I got to go tell the boss man. I mean, they had a, probably a list of stops that they had to stop on the way back to the field. Don't you know? I've got to tell people. And they became ambassadors, messengers of the good news to spread this glorious news everywhere. But that was part of the expectation. That was part of what they were told to do. That's part of what is said. that We have to, we have to share this, what was made known to us concerning this child. Did they resist the calling or the obligation? What do you think, church? Did they resist it? Like, you think that they said, you know, hey, I, I'm just a lowly shepherd. I've never been to Bible college. I'm not going to know what to tell these people, what we just saw or to explain it. How would I explain that? No, they didn't do that. They, they, didn't, they didn't say, I, I, don't, I don't know what to say. I, they wouldn't listen to me. Who would listen to a shepherd? I mean, come on, really. They didn't say that. Who would believe a shepherd? I mean, everybody knows we lie. <laughs> we tell stories around the campfire. Who would believe us? 
Who am I going to tell people to believe? They're just going to say, who are you to tell me what to believe about God? You're just a shepherd boy. But they didn't do that. Why is it, church, that we struggle so much with this? To understand that we are privileged and we have been given the good news. That we are special, that we have been included. And so have the people around us. And for us to understand that we have this obligation, we have this expectation, now that we are invited, that we are to be like the shepherds. We should identify with this as well, you know, that i got to tell everybody. i got to continue to spread this good news. And I know, what do we struggle with the most? Probably what the shepherds struggled with. They're not going to believe a shepherd. Why would they believe us? We're not educated. I don't... And we, I don't know what it is, but we make these excuses and we excuse ourselves from this obligation so much. But don't you identify with the shepherds and feel like, like it's part of your responsibility? That God gave you this good news not to keep to yourself, but to share it with others. Try to convince others. Their invitation came with expectations. And, and I, I kind of think that, that we should have this obligation. You know, we, we read this in, in Sunday school class the, the, this morning, but, you know, go into all the world that Jesus told his disciples at the end and preach the good news, you know, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey everything I command you. And lo, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And that was their mission because God, Jesus, just entrusted them with the best news ever. And how are others going to know unless they go and they start telling them about Jesus and baptizing them into Jesus? And they were given an obligation there, but that obligation wasn't just theirs. What I asked the Sunday school class, is this not ours as well? Did it just end with them? They were supposed to tell, but nobody else tell? No, it's supposed to just keep being passed on like a baton, you know, to the next generation, to the next people, to the next neighbors, to, to the next co-workers, to the next students. And it's just supposed to be, you know, go and share what you have been told concerning the, the child, just like the, the shepherds. What's your platform? The shepherd's platform was a field right? And sometimes we think, well, I don't have a platform. Well, they didn't have a platform. They had a bunch of sheep to look after. But they had people that lived right there among them. They had people in Bethlehem. They had people that worked at the store and and people that they walked by, and, and they made their platform where they were. And some of you are in amazing places. You're in schools. You know, you're you're in some of our main businesses in town. You are around people every day that you need to just continue to share Jesus. You, you share him by the way you live, but you also share him by the things that you say. You share him by, by inviting them to be a part of. You've got to come and see this. And your platform is everywhere. You know, verse, verse 18, I want you to see this. But it says, 
And all who heard it, heard, heard it, heard what the shepherds said, right? All who heard what the shepherds said wondered at what the shepherds told them. I don't even know what that means. What does that mean? They wondered what the shepherds told them. Does it mean that they wondered like, the, the shepherds just told me something. It seems crazy. I think I believe it. But I just got to ponder it a while. I got to wonder. Wonder what this will be like if I do it. Wonder what this is going to mean to my family. I mean, maybe that's what it means that when the shepherds told them, they wondered what it meant. Or maybe it was a wonder like, The shepherds just told me something, and I am in wonder. I can't believe that God has has included everybody. I'm included in this. And maybe their wonder is just that they're super excited about it. Maybe their wonder is, is like, man, those shepherds have been smoking that crazy grass in the field again. You know? It's not much different today. The thing that we are afraid of the most about sharing Jesus is that we're afraid that they're going to think we've been smoking that crazy grass. That we are just nuts. That we are just, we're just believing this fairy tale stuff. That they'll just make fun of us. If I share this with my friends at school, they'll just make fun of me. They'll just, they'll reject me. They'll not want me to be a part of their little circle anymore. And it's not just kids that struggle with this. You grow up and you still struggle with this. I don't want to be rejected. Because remember, I identify with the shepherds being rejected. But God has expectations for us, just like the shepherds. You know, the presence of the shepherds in the Christmas story also tells us a little bit about what kind of Messiah Jesus was going to be, right? I mean, the Bible tells us and paints this picture that he is going to be the Savior. He's going to be a king. He's going to be a lion. But it also paints a picture that he's going to be what? A shepherd. In fact, it tells us in John that he is the good shepherd. And, and you know, a shepherd, what is it that they do? You know, the shepherds, they, they have a difficult job. They have to wrangler, wrangle absent uh, sheep that just always wanting to fight against everything. They never want to go the direction you want them to go. They're always, they're always pushing against everything. And that would be frustrating as a shepherd, right? Always trying to wrangle those sheep. You know, shepherds have to feed them. Shepherds have to fend off predators. I mean, they have to be somewhat brave because they're always going to fight against, you know, the wolves and the bears and the lions. And sometimes bad people want to take your sheep and you have to fight them off as well. That's why shepherds are awake most of the night. They take shifts, you know, because they have to look out for the sheep to protect the sheep. The Bible indicates and gives us this picture that the good shepherd, Jesus, that's his job. Like like he just makes that known. My job as the good shepherd is to protect. I'm going to make sure nobody harms you, that nobody takes you and steals you away. 
And that's why we have all these verses. I mean, there's a bunch of them, but like 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, 14 through 18, it says, Alexander, the coppersmith, did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposes our message. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. And he's just talking about, people were even afraid, my, my brothers and sisters in Christ were even afraid to stand up because this guy was such a bad news guy, right? He was trying to destroy, he was opposing and bringing so much turmoil into it. But Paul had courage. He had, he had strength to stand up even when other people weren't going to stand up. And what was his strength? Listen to what it says in verse 17. It says, But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. Who rescued him? Who was he talking about? That's the good shepherd, right? That is, that's the one who rescued him. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Because that's what Jesus said will be his job as the good shepherd, is to give us strength and protect us and make sure that nobody steals us away. That's why he prayed this. Jesus prayed this. In John chapter 17, verse 12, it says, While I was with them, I kept them in your name. Which you have given me, I have guarded them, and no one, not one of them, have been lost except the one of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. He's talking about what Judas, right? That's the only one, but nobody else, because Jesus is the good shepherd and he watches over his sheep, and that's what he, the role he takes on. In Second Thessalonians chapter three, verse one, it says, "Finally, brothers." Pray for us that the, that the word of the Lord may spread ahead and be honored as happened among you, and that we may be delivered from the wicked and the evil men. For not all, for not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one, because that's his job. So we should be bold is what Paul is trying to point out in all of this. And be strong because you have a good shepherd. He's going to protect you. He's going to look after you. And you have been called to follow the good shepherd. And even though you're sheep, what he wants you to also understand is that you play a dual role because you're also shepherds. You're like a little apprentice shepherds. You know, a, a little apprentice shepherd follows after the good shepherd. And the good shepherd says... Hey, I'm in charge. I'll take the responsibility of protecting all of the sheep. But there are some things I want you to do, the apprentice shepherds. They're less jobs. You know, they're easier jobs. Aren't you glad about that? You don't have to protect. Here's what I think that your job is. It's probably something a lot like Peter. When Peter was walking along the shore with Jesus, what is it that Peter Told, or Jesus told Peter was going to be his job as a shepherd boy. This is what he says. I want you to feed my sheep. Do you love me? Peter says, I love you. Then I want you to feed my sheep. Do you love me? And Peter says, I love you. He says, I want you to tend to my lambs. There's a difference there, right? 
You feed the sheep because the sheep have to be fed so that they don't die. And so you feed them the Word of God. I want you to feed them the Word of God so that they can just continue to, to you know, have this, this substance about them that keeps their spirit going and keeps their spirit alive. But he says to this, he says, I want you to tend to my lambs. What does that mean, tend to the lamb? What are, what's a lamb? Isn't that the little babies, the cute little things? And you tend to them. You care for them. You, you are gentle with the lambs. You love on them. You, you make sure that they're okay and that they feel, you know, secure and loved. And that's what Peter's job was. And then one more time, Jesus emphasize it. He says, do you love me, Peter, the third time? And he says, you know all things. You know I do. He says, feed my sheep. you got to continue to give them my word. And that is our job. Our job is not to protect. That's Jesus' job. But our job is to feed and to be gentle and to be compassionate and to be loving with his sheep. So God invites whom he wants. And guess what? He invited you. And he invited you, and when you feel invited and privileged, and you should feel invited and privileged and loved by God, you should also all of a sudden instantly feel this obligation, this expectation, because along with the invitation comes a a sense of expectation, right? But here's the last thing I want you to remember. The last thing to identify with the shepherds is, is that just just know this, and this is a little bit forward thinking, but God always makes the destination to his invitation extremely worthwhile. And that part's going to take a little bit of forward thinking and, and some trust. But he's a good shepherd. Has he not shown you that he has something special ahead of for you? In verse 20, it says, The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Does that sound like they were disappointed? That was a wasted night. You know, we could have got a lot more accomplished back at the field with the sheep than going and checking out that thing. There's no way that they felt that. They would have, if one person... In that bunch would have been, and maybe there was, you know, who was watching the sheep? God, maybe? I mean, did they all go? Or did they leave the low of the low back to watch the sheep? I don't know. Or did somebody volunteer? You guys go. I'll watch the sheep. But all I know is when they got back and if there was somebody back there, do you think he felt like he missed out on something? Oh, my goodness. He had been kicking himself. But he wasn't a part of that. There's no way they would have been kicking themselves if they wouldn't have went and checked out what they had been told. And don't you know that we should relate to that, identify with that? James chapter 1, verse 12, it says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. Because let me tell you something. You probably know this, but the world is a tough place to live. And relationships are tough to live in. And there's just a whole lot of stuff that we call them trials. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. 
For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. What he's trying to tell you there, church, is that he has given you an invitation to a destination, and you are not going to want to miss out on that. And it's going to be a party that is going to be so worthwhile to be a part of. You'd be kicking yourself if you got left out on that. And he wants you to know that he has something planned. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, it says, But our citizenship is in heaven. And for it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. We are going to trade in these lowly bodies for a glorious body, you think you'll be disappointed? I don't think so. There's so many of these verses that we could read to just help us remember and place our hope in the, in the destination of the invitation. We know that God has invited us. It kind of is overwhelming. And he's given us an expectation to share Jesus Because the destination is going to be so worthwhile. And we're going to be so excited about being there. None of the first characters were disappointed in being included in this invitation. Mary didn't go away. In fact, even in our scripture today with the the shepherds, what does it say? Mary pondered these things in her heart. She treasured these things in her heart. She didn't seem to be too disappointed in all that was going on. The wise men show up and they worship God, right? In fact, the only one who seemed to be disappointed was who? The one person I don't want you to relate to is Herod. And he wanted to be invited. Remember what he told the the, uh, Magi in verse 8 of Matthew 2? It says, And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you find him, bring me word that I may go and worship him too. I don't want to be left out on this party. I want an invitation. In Matthew chapter 12, I mean, Matthew chapter 2, verse 12, on a little bit further down, it says, And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. In other words, God excluded Herod, didn't he? He's the only one that didn't get invited. Well, I thought everybody got invited, Mike. God wants to invite everyone. That's why he gave it to the shepherds. He wants to invite everyone, but he's not going to invite anyone who has a heart that is against his son. You see, God wants you to be there at that destination, and you're going to want to be there. If you are there, you're going to be like, I am so glad that I chose to be here. But you won't be there if you don't yield yourself to Jesus. If your heart is against Jesus, then you will be excluded from this party. And so that part is yours to play, right? You should feel, just to wrap things up here, you should feel privileged because he has included you in the invitation 
And when you accept that invitation, you shall, should feel obligated. You should understand you have an expectation to go find somebody to bring with you. It's a plus one, plus three, plus whatever event, right? As many as you can gather. And when you get there, you're going to feel overwhelmed like this is the best thing ever. And you should identify with the shepherds in the midst of all of this. But if your heart is against Christ and you don't want to yield to him, you'll never end up at the destination. God will just tell somebody, just just don't bother with them. Just go around them. Just go deliver it somewhere else. But it, it isn't that he doesn't want you to be there. Let me pray, and then we're going to go into our communion. Father God, we, uh, we thank you so much that you love us. If we really, truly think about what you have included us in and yet know our, our true person, it really is kind of overwhelming that you would want us and that you include us. But thank you for this scripture and how you went about delivering the good news of your son coming into this world. Because it is through the shepherds that I get a sense that you want me as well and that you include me in this invitation. And I just thank you so much. Help us, Father, to make this about Jesus and not about anything else. Help us to be selfless in that we try to tell everybody we can and try to encourage everybody to come and not be selfish and keep it to ourselves. Father, help us to just learn from this word that you've given us to guide our way. We just love you very much. We love your son, Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. So God would have us now like shine another light. Because there was a, a bright light out in that field. And it would have been a glorious thing. But let me tell you something. Every time we come here to this place, God is trying to make this a glorious thing that we're doing right now. He's trying to shine this light upon this table. Because this table represents his son, just like the star of Bethlehem represented his son. And it guided people. And I just want you to really think about that and just try to identify in this way too. You know, that this, this is like, this is like the, the stable in a sense because it's still the same person. This is Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection that we are focusing on. This juice represents the blood that he shed for you. He grew up from a little baby into a man, and he died for you. And this, and this bread represents that, that person that died for you. And, and so for us, what would we do? What, would, what would, is it that the, the Magi did when they came? It says that they kneeled and, and they worshipped. What do you think that the shepherds did? 
they just kneeled and they worshiped and they were in awe and they went back praising God and glorifying God. This is our opportunity, you know, to kneel and to worship and to really understand what this represents. It says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 8, it says, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. That is like his shining light upon this time. So that the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under heaven. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So let us humble ourselves here for a moment. Let us come to the throne. Let us bow before this king that once was a child. That got the name Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. And let us partake, understanding that we're included. We're invited to be a part of this. Let me pray and we'll partake. Father, we just thank you for this. We thank you for the emblems, what they represent. Father, help us to have our hearts just yielded to you. Help us just be overwhelmed by how you have included this to be a part of this. In Jesus' name we pray.